Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rope Podcast with Box and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you are not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. Rope bondage is a risky activity, and you shouldn't attempt it without first getting proper training. Listen to episode zero if you haven't already. Fox is a rigger, and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. This episode is made possible by our patrons who support us each month. If you would like to help, head to ropepodcast.com to see many options. This year, we want to focus on bringing the Rope Podcast to a wider audience. To achieve that, we would like to ask you to follow us on Instagram and reshare this episode in your Instagram stories. We are Rope Podcast on Instagram. Another thing that helps us is if you give us a star rating on Apple Podcasts. It's anonymous, so you won't have your name visible on the internet connected with a kinky podcast, don't worry. And now, going on with the show. Today, Maya, we're going to do something a little bit different. We are going to be talking about strength training for rope. Oh, and so what does that mean? It means increasing our strength in a way that we think is going to be useful for playing with rope and doing rope bondage. Okay, and we have some caveats on this one, right? We have a lot. Okay, we're not doctors. We're yeah. not medical doctors. We are definitely not medical doctors or, in fact, as far as I'm concerned, anything doctors. We are also not certified physical trainers, unless you've secretly been coaching people in powerlifting Maya, without telling me. I have not, I have not. And I understand um, from your experience that fitness and strength training are contentious topics in a lot of ways. Yes, if you go on the internet, it's easy to see that people disagree a lot on what one should do for strength, for fitness. And so take what we're going to say today with a big grain of salt. It's a bit of a primer to get people who are more novice in this area started but definitely i would recommend you look at other perspectives you get information from several sources and if you have access to a professional at your gym a trainer something like that and you can afford it it is probably a good idea to get some help in the area Absolutely. And we're also saying that these, of course, are not things that you have to do. You can be an absolutely fine rope person without doing any of these things. Yes. In fact, we know many riggers and rope bottom who have not stepped into a gym a single day in their life and they're doing super fine. Just fine. Exactly. Yeah. It's more if you have the extra time, if you have the extra resources and, and, interest. You, and interest and you want to employ them to do something that's going to be beneficial to your role play, this is a suggestion we're making. So these are kind of optimization ideas. Yes, it's exactly that. It's an optimization. And also it might not only improve the quality of your rope experiences, but it might also improve your longevity in rope. Oh, interesting. Interesting. But also check in with the doctor if you have any concerns. In yes. Fact, check in with the doctor. We have not seen the medical file for every single one of our listeners. So <laughs> we don't know if you might have some kind of contraindication, which means what we're going to suggest today is not a good idea for you. And as we both talked about um, in the chronic pain and other episodes, um, our body is unique. Yes. Uh, we come with our own uh, chronic issues. And if there are things here you can't do, and I certainly couldn't do many of them, don't stress. Yes. It's no problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
Today we're going to be talking about a lot of different exercises and they have all kind of weird names like the Romanian deadlift. Uh-huh. And if you don't know what that is, you just type that into YouTube and you'll find many different channels that show you how to perform those exercises. It's really worth taking the time to make sure you are using proper technique whenever you're doing any kind of resistance training or weightlifting. Mm. And this is for people, as you said, who don't have much experience. And I am mm-hmm. going to, as the person without any experience here, I am going to play the part of the listener by asking the uh, questions that say, wait, what is that? Perfect. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that, Maya. And we're focusing on strength, right? Not Because I, I know yeah. the gym does many things. Yes. Yeah, so we're not talking about what you can do to make your muscles bigger or your body prettier, whatever that means to you, by the way, because it's very subjective. We are purely talking about strength and a little bit endurance in the context of applying it to rope bondage play. And is this for bottoms, tops? It's hopefully going to be for both. Okay, super. All right then. Another thing we're not going to cover today is cardiovascular exercise, also known as cardio. Okay. So that's when you're on the gym bike, for instance. And that can have benefits. And some of those benefits are going to apply to kink play, to rope play. But that's not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about strength training. All right then. So are we ready to get started? Remember, this is aimed more to people with no or little experience in the gym. If you're already a gym pro, if you're an intermediate or advanced weightlifter, you're probably not going to learn a lot from this. Okay. But do give us advice in the comments if you have expertise in the area. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, as you're a rigger and you're the one leading content-wise on this one, Mm -hmm. talk to me about what you can do um, as a rigger in terms of your strength training. So as a rigger, I need to move and suspend bodies, right? Okay. And it's recommended that you're careful as a human being if you are going to be lifting or dragging around loads that are over 25 kilograms, which which in pounds is somewhere in the 50-ish range. Which we very much hope that most of the people, if not every single person you're lifting is. Yes, I would be concerned if you are doing rope bondage with a person and they are less than 50 pounds in weight. Indeed, indeed. So, um, given that... And you should not be doing rope bondage on your German shepherd because dogs (laughs) cannot consent. Okay. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really want to share our love of rope to as many listeners as possible. And for that, we need your help. Please go to Instagram and follow our account Rope Podcast, then reshare this episode in your stories. Show your love of rope and help others discover it too. People in bondage should be moved with some care from the person doing the moving. And a lot of the times they can't move themselves because they're all tied up in ropes. Which is delightful. Yes. And sometimes they could move themselves, but the mood of the scene dictates that it's more fun if you move them instead. All right, so how do we do this? So we are going to try to increase our ability to do that using mostly resistant training, also known as lifting weights. Oh, I did not know they were the same thing. I already learned a thing. (laughs) All right. And we're going to take a minute to look at how the rigger uses their body in a rope scene. And it seems to me most of the movement is going to be what we call pull movements. So we are 
pulling something closer to the center of our body as opposed to push movements where we push something away. Mm. So when you pull on a rope, when you're pulling, let's say, on a suspension line, you're pulling towards your body. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to want to focus our strength training to pull movements. There is a small amount of pushing also involved, but usually it's a secondary movement at the same time as we're also pulling. So the type of exercises we are going to be looking for are mostly things where we pick things up from a low elevation close to the floor and we are pulling them higher and that can mimic pulling someone up from the ground for instance and those would be all the kinds of deadlifts so deadlift is usually done with a bar also called a barbell where you put discs to weigh it and then you lift it up in different fashions and that's where the internet is going to be your friend to uh, show you some deadlifting technique. Uh, another one that can be very useful for rope in uh, pool movements is the lateral raise. So the lateral raise, you're gonna raise to the side your arm along your body and that's going to work your shoulder muscles. And in rope, we do a lot of pulling through. Like this movement where you have rope and you pull it towards you and Having good shoulder muscles is certainly going to help you with that. So let me describe the movement that you just made. So your arm was hanging by your side. Yes. Uh, I would say yeah, in the plane of my body. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so your hand moves uh, through a 90 degree arc. Yeah. And usually you would do that with a dumbbell in your hand. Oh. And you can do both sides at once to stay uh, balanced. And then another one I like very much is what's called the upward row. And definitely... Check, check this one out on YouTube and you grab the bar and you lift it up towards your face in front of your body. Okay, so like you're rowing while standing up. Yeah, exactly. And that is going to be mostly working your shoulders once again and your trap muscles, which are those triangle things either side of my neck. Trapezoid? Trapezius, I Trapezius. think. But yeah. Okay, so, so let's just like call them traps. Rowing from your waist to your face. Uh, actually, you would start even a little bit lower, like more towards your knees, and then pull it up your all knees? the way. Yeah, my and arms don't go that long. Basically, you would start as low as your arms go. Okay. We while keeping a straight back, or slightly bent forward, possibly, and then you would pull it up about uh, to the height of your nose or your eye line. If your shoulders can flex that far without hurting. One thing you should definitely do is only work in the range of motion where you don't feel pain or discomfort. Mm -hmm. Never push through pain or discomfort when you are weightlifting. Because okay. we don't want you to enjoy yourself because then you can't do rope anymore. And that's the opposite of what we're trying exactly. to achieve. Uh, another type of pull that can definitely be useful is pulling from high up downwards, like you're pulling on the suspension line. And I feel that's Pretty obvious why that would be useful. Yeah, okay. And there are usually many machines in the gym that can help you achieve that. And in general, if you see a machine in your gym with a lot of cables, that's something that's very likely to be useful for practicing uh, strength for rope bondage. Okay, I can definitely see that. Pulling on a cable with a weight on the end. Is a bit similar to pulling on a rope similar, with a person yeah. on the end. Yeah, all right. Uh, and you know what? If you don't have access to a gym, you can even do strength training on your shibari rig. 
you just attach a big stone or whatever is very heavy to an upline and you practice pulling that upline and moving that object up and down a certain number of times. And that will do as a replacement for the gym if you don't have a, any weightlifting equipment available. Nice. Good yeah. um, overlap there in uh, equipment. Yeah. Now, Maya, let's talk about the bottoms a little bit. All right. So how, what are we training for? How might our strength help us as a bottom? So one thing that might come as a surprise to people who are newer to rope bondage is bottoms actually do a lot more than is immediately apparent from something like a photograph. And there's this whole area of rope that's called active bottoming. Okay. So can you describe a bit from your perspective, Maya, what active bottoming is? Um, well, I'm going to say it's a contentious term with many mm -hmm. um, descriptions, but we would consider it where the bottom is moving themselves to some degree, whatever that means for you in rope. For example, for me, it means shifting my weight uh, between suspension points to help me stay up in the rope. And sometimes it means um, trying to create a body position, even if by something as small as pointing my toes to please my rope partner, or, or sometimes just to feel graceful in the rope. Okay, so you're engaging your muscles in the rope. Yeah, that would be a more simple way. To various degrees and for various purposes. Okay, that, so that's where the strength training would be of use to you or to any bottom is when you engage those muscles, they will be able to effectuate more force if you've been strength training them. I do think that between rope and aqua yoga, my core has strengthened over the last few years. I, I think it's made a big difference, both to the positions that are available to us and to your ability to sustain those positions. Mm -hmm. All right. And so on the opposite hand from the riggers, where we said the riggers were mostly going to train pull movements, the bottoms are mostly going to train push movements because they're usually pushing into the rope to get their body into a certain shape. And also what's called an isometric hold, which is basically staying in the same position for a prolonged amount of time. Okay, um, so you're pushing against gravity into a rope. Yes. Most often. Yeah. And in the first part, you are pushing yourself away from the rope to attain the position. And then once you've attained the position, you're keeping the position. And that would be the isometric part. And the position just might be the most comfortable place in the rope that you can find. It doesn't have to be any externally dictated thing. Absolutely. And in some cases, it might be about protecting your joints with your strength. In particular, if you have some kind of hypermobility syndrome, you can use your muscle strength to make sure your joints don't get pressured further than is healthy for them. Mm, because ideally we want both flexibility and strength yes. so that our bodies are protected. Yeah, and for people who don't suffer from hypermobility, your body should be telling you when your joint is out of its safe range of motion. But the principle of hypermobility is you can go further without getting the signal from your body that it's going too far. Right. And that's one place where you risk an injury. Is there any impact on nerve injuries at all? Is there anything we can do about that? So that's a bit unclear because it seems from... Uh, we don't have great scientific data on this stuff, for okay. starters. <laughs> uh, and I really wish we did. Yeah. But there is pretty convincing circumstantial evidence that... Um, 
fat protects nerves. So if you are carrying a bit more subcutaneous fat, your nerves are probably less likely to get impacted by uh, rope bondage. And that can be good news. Uh, but muscle doesn't seem to do that. And in fact, uh, if you're very heavy with a lot of muscle and not a lot of fat, I suspect you're putting yourself at higher risk. Oh, that's interesting. Of, uh, Why is that? Because the, the way the body is shaped, mostly the nerves don't run under the muscle. They run more side by side with it. And so the muscle just doesn't help sheave the nerve in the way that subcutaneous fat would. Mm. And it makes your body heavier, right? It makes your body heavier without giving you more shielding on your Whereas nerves. Whereas fat basically. makes your body heavier but gives you some But it's shield. a layer over the nerve. Okay, that's interesting. So it's a bit like that. a cushion for your nerves mm. in the way that muscle isn't. What, what else might um, strength training help us with? I think a big part in general is protecting ourselves from injuries. So why, why might we get injured in rope? Uh, well, as we said, there's lifting, there's pulling, there's unusual positions and we see reasonably often people like throwing out their shoulder or tweaking their back and the hope is that if you increase your strength you're reducing the likelihood of that happening because you're protecting your body more yeah and the more strength you have the less you're putting stress on your conjunctive tissue which is the things that hold the parts of your body together and the more it's the muscle doing the work and the muscle is quite strong and it's possible to tear a muscle, but it's not that easy most what of the time. What is the conjunctive tissue? Is it like tendons and... Yeah, that sort of thing. That sort of thing. The, the things that uh, hold you together. All right. So we've covered quite a bit the why we want to do it. Now let's talk a bit about the how, right? So this part applies, I feel, equally to riggers and bottoms and we're going to be looking at strengthening mostly our back and our core. All right. So when we talk about core, we mean things like the abdominal muscles, the muscles of the hips, so that center of gravity part of the body. I use that a lot. Yeah, and I think I use that quite a bit too and I think as a general health thing, having a strong core is probably useful for most people. Yeah, definitely. So for that, we're going to want to go more for the big compound movements, which means exercises that use a lot of the muscles of the body and drive through this core and this back. So compound, like many, many muscles together. Yeah, many joints are going to be moving. Like, for instance, imagine I'm doing a classic bicep curl, which is like the stereotypical weightlifting movement. He's doing it. You can see that only my elbow is moving. Yeah, and that giant bicep. Yeah. Now, if I'm doing a compound movement, a lot of different joints oh. are moving. Okay, so there you're moving your arm. And my shoulder, and my wrist, okay. and potentially things that Okay, happening. so when we were talking before, it was more about isolating muscles that might be helpful. And mm -hmm. now we're about grouping, doing a number of muscles at the same time, which might work in harmony. Yes, exactly. And a typical great exercise for that is the squat. So squat, you put a bar <laughs> over your shoulders and you push it up from a squatting position or into a standing like me, position. Or if you're like me, you start with a squat without the bar. Yeah. I you, think that's a very... That's absolutely legitimate. Yeah, no, I am. I'm, that's why I'm saying it. I'm saying to listeners, like, don't hmm. push yourself too far too fast. In fact, you uh, are reaching an important point we wanted to make, which is 
When you're choosing the weight you're going to be doing the exercise with, it's really important to not let your ego uh, take the wheel and to choose a weight that allows you to, to, to execute the movement with perfect form. If you are unable to do the movement with the right technique, it means you've chosen a weight that is too heavy and you absolutely need to step it down before you hurt yourself. Oh, that's an excellent tip. And there's nothing wrong with starting with just the bar or even no bar at all if you're newer and you need yeah, to Yeah, I mean, there. I can see that would give, be challenging for me just to do squats, so probably worth it. Then, other than weightlifting, yoga can also be interesting for mm. core strengthening, especially the endurance of your core as opposed to your ability to push heavier loads. Mm. And uh, Pilates also, uh, very much in that area. And I would also say acro yoga, particularly good because you are pushing um, against another body. Absolutely. Very relevant to rope bondage. Uh, and then a bit tangential to what we're talking about today, but obviously practicing better ergonomics in the way you're tied or you are tied, the positions and so on, and better body manipulation techniques are going to help reduce risks of injury during yeah. rope scenes. Because if you power through um, body manipulation, uh, you, you might still hurt yourself, whereas in fact very small riggers can push uh, and move around very big relative to them big yes bottoms. using levers yep. and good technique and reducing friction against the floor exactly. and so on uh, another thing we should mention even though that is not our area so much some people enjoy resistance play okay so one person is trying to tie up someone who is pretending to not want to be tied up so they kind of take down take down that CNC. sort of thing exactly and this is a type of play that has a high risk of injury within a discipline that already has a high risk of injury and here your strength and the fitness of your body is going to help reduce the likelihood of those injuries all right so i think we've established why we want to train our strength all right is there some uh, more general advice that you have on uh, strength training i think i'm going to give some advice on how to do it in terms of the practicalities and so for that we mentioned uh, picking a weight that allows us to do the exercise with the right technique, the right form. But also, if you're looking for strength, it needs to be heavy enough that you're going to get strength benefits. If you get a weight that allows you to repeat the movement for 30 repetitions in a row, you're not gaining strength. You instead want to choose a weight where you can repeat the exercise probably in a range of three times to ten times in a row. Oh, wow, only three times? Yeah, yeah. if uh, you choose a heavier weight where you can safely move it three times in a row with good technique, you are in a good place for, um, for strength training for one set. So we have two important notions here. We have reps, repetitions, and sets. And so one set has a certain number of reps, then you take a break for a few minutes, then you do another set. How do you know how long a break to take? I would say you can listen to your body and you want your breathing to calm down and you want your heart rate to normalize and you want to feel that your body is ready to do it again. There's a bit of uh, getting used to it and you'll get the feeling of, okay, I feel like most of my strength is back. I, I can go again now. And there's no really 
there's no real downside to having too long a rest. It's not going to reduce the efficiency of your exercise. So if in doubt, if you're not sure you're quite ready to go again, take a bit longer and that's fine. And that's what smartphones are for. Like, listen to your favorite rope podcast in the gym <laughs> while you're uh, resting between sets, you know? Uh, and then for the number of sets, you are probably going to want to be between three sets per exercise and five sets for each time you hit the gym. How would I know whether to do three sets, four sets or five sets? You could start at three and then after a couple of weeks of doing three, try doing a fourth. And then after a few weeks, trying a fifth, that would be one way to okay, do it. Okay, so building up. Yeah. And basically, if you are unable to do one more set with a good quality, a good technique and get to the rep range you're targeting, uh, it means you've done too many sets for that exercise. You're not going to gain additional benefit from doing that. There's also an interesting concept you can use, which is called reps in reserve or RIR. All right. Tell us about that. So in weightlifting, you have this thing called failure. Okay, sounds a bit negative. What does it, it mean? It, it's actually a mechanical term. It's muscle failure. It's a point where your muscle doesn't have enough strength left to do another repetition with good form. So even if someone said, okay, I'm, I would pay you a million dollars to do another <laughs> one of those bench presses, you are physically incapable of doing it. Okay, you burned your beans. Yeah, yeah. Your muscle is unable to do another one of those right away. And usually we're not wanting to go quite to that point. We'd like to stop just before. So we want to get close to failure, but we don't want to reach it. Mm. And for optimal strength training, we want to be about one to three repetitions away from failure. So that would be an RIR of, let's say, seven, eight or nine, because 10 is failure, so 9 would be one away from failure. So I could potentially do one more of those, but I'm not gonna. 8 would be I could do two more, but I'm not gonna, and so on. Okay. So that's another tool you can use to get a feel for how hard you want to go and how long you want to exercise. I read about something called the mind-muscle connection. What's uh, that? Yeah, it's something that's quite important. It's as you're doing an exercise, you're trying to feel the target muscle. So let me go again to the example of the lateral raise. I'm trying to target my deltoid muscle. And so I'm focusing on it and I'm trying to feel tension or burn or what's called a pump. So this impression that the muscle is swelling. And if I feel it in the right place, I'm more likely to be doing the exercise right. If I'm doing that movement and instead I feel it all in my back, instead of feeling it in my shoulder, I'm probably not doing it right. So there's a kind of mindfulness and focus while you're doing these exercises. Yeah. And in fact, in my case, when I'm lifting, I am not listening to any music. I'm not listening to any podcast during the lifting. I only do that, do that during the resting periods. But during the lifting, I want to be completely in tune with my body to make sure I have good technique and I'm getting the right feedback from the mind-muscle connection. In terms of frequency of going to the gym, uh, I understand that access to the gym in terms of time, in terms of money, in terms of location is not going to be the same for everyone. 
But you really want to do this at least twice a week. And you can buy some weights or, or do this with equipment around your house as well. Like if people oh, yeah. Google that, then there's lots of examples. Absolutely. During COVID, all the gyms in Bangkok here were closed and I had to make do at home with a very simple bench that cost a few dollars and some dumbbells and it was a lot better than nothing. Yeah. But in any case, yeah, you want to do it a minimum of twice a week. And the most often you could do it is probably every other day. You don't want to go too often and especially you don't want to hit the same muscle too often because you need to give it time to recover. Because when you're lifting heavy weights, you're going to cause some damage to your muscle and then it's going to repair itself. But in this process of repairing itself, that's when the muscle actually becomes stronger. It's so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. That we have to tear our muscles apart in order for them to regrow bigger. Yeah, and another thing that makes us stronger also is our nervous system is actually going to get better at contracting the muscle, at utilizing the muscle tissue we have. So you have a double, double bonus, you get more muscle mass itself, and also you get better at recruiting whatever muscle mass you have. Uh, something that's going to be really important to both recovery and progress is your nutrition. You are going to need to be eating at a slight caloric excess. So you need to eat a bit more food than normal if you want to grow your strength. Uh, there's no two ways about it. So let's say you're a person who normally eats about 2000 calories a day and your weight is about stable eating like that. You've been eating like that for a few years and your weight hasn't gone up or down very much. You're probably going to want to eat an extra three to 500 calories per day. Wow, that's a lot. When you're doing strength training. Uh, if you're not eating more than that, then you probably won't see a lot of progress. Even though as a total beginner, uh, newbie gains, as they are sometimes called, mean you progress very fast at the beginning, no matter what, which is great. Uh, if you were to increase by more than that, you are putting yourself at risk of adding a lot of fat. So you would add a lot of strength, but you would add a lot of fat at the same time. And that's not necessarily ideal for your health because being overweight has some very serious health downsides. And is it a particular type of food that's useful? You need to make sure you're getting a good quantity of protein. So one easy way to do that is something like protein shakes or protein bars. And so if you're going to be adding extra calories to your regular diet, you could add it in the form of protein and then you would get both the extra calories and make sure you're eating enough protein for your muscles to recover and grow. And it's easier to control if you know what you're eating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, one thing I like protein powders for is you get a pretty clear explanation on the label of how many calories, how many grams of proteins they contain. Because if you get a steak at the restaurant, there's a lot of guesswork involved <laughs> in uh, what kind of meat is it, what's its fat content, what sauce has it been cooked in. Like That's a, that's a nice thing. So whey protein is very well known. I'm also a huge fan of casein, which is slightly less known and it's great for uh, before, go before going to bed because mm. it's a slow digesting protein. So it's going to release slowly into your bloodstream throughout the night. And that can be quite nice to give a good recovery and growth opportunities to your muscles. Then the last concept we need to talk about uh, in the realm of strength training is the progressive overload. Okay, tell us about that. 
So let's say I start to give an exercise with a load of 40 pounds. I'm doing deadlifts with 40 pounds. If I stay with 40 pounds doing the same number of reps, same number of sets my whole life, my strength is not going to progress much. I need to increase the challenge regularly and then my strength will increase proportionally. So how do you know how much to increase by when? There's a bit of trial and error unless you're being followed by a coach or a trainer. Uh, usually, I would say maybe try upping either your weight or your number of reps every week and see how that's going. And you'll pretty quickly get a sense of how fast you can overload. And as a newbie, once again, you should see very rapid gains at the start. It's, it might be that you're able to add an extra disc to the bar every single time for a little while. Wow. And then those rapid gains are going to slow down a bit after probably a few months. And one thing you can do for this progressive overload is what's called the staircase model, which is, let's say you start with five reps, 40 pounds the first week. On the second week, you would keep the 40 pounds, but go up to six reps per set. On the next week, you keep the 40 pounds and you go to seven reps per set. So you're doing more work with the same weight. And then on the week after that, you would increase your weight to say 44 pounds, but you would drop your reps back to five. So you've uh, gone up to seven with a given weight. Now you go back down to five, but you increase the weight and you alternate like a tick-tock motion of increasing the reps, increasing the weight, increasing the reps, increasing the weight. And that's a way for you to progressively lift bigger and bigger weights for a bigger and bigger volume of training. So Maya, do you feel that was understandable? And does that give you a clearer idea of what one can do to increase their strength in the gym? Yeah, it's definitely given me some uh, interesting ideas and explained some things, uh, many of which you do. So that's quite helpful. Um, and we would really say that this is supposed to be a primer and there's yeah. lots more to be learned um, in books or on YouTube. But we, again, note that there's a lot of scams in this area. So many. The fitness industry, especially on the internet, has a lot of snake oil, snake oil fake supplements, fake diets, fake programs that are not going to help you. There is so. no magic trick. There is no silver bullet. There is no getting stronger in one week. You need to put in the work. But if you do put in the work, you'll be rewarded. Um, and yeah, we suggest you get your information from reputable sources. And those tend to be the ones that are more evidence-based or scientific. Absolutely. And just maybe touch on performance-enhancing drugs here. Uh, yeah. So besides being illegal in many countries, they have really terrible effects on your long-term health. And so we wouldn't recommend ever using them for any reason, no, rope or otherwise. Yeah. All right. Um, so we reiterate once again that strength training is not a requirement. For it health. is not. Um, but it can be a nice thing if you have the time, the resources uh, to work on to improve your performance in rope. And if it's something you enjoy. Yeah. And today wasn't at all supposed to be the end all be all of strength training. It's just some suggestions to get you started. And if you do decide to go on this journey, please let us know. And we'd like to follow along with you and see how you're doing and have fun and stay safe so injuries really suck and they definitely can keep you from rope which is as you said earlier the opposite of what we want to do thanks for listening and have fun tying <laughs>